Good morning. Let us now come together and worship God. We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but in all embracing love and mercy. We are not worthy even to gather the crumbs under your table. It's your nature always to have mercy. Feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. In which indeed you were called to one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us stand and share the sign of peace with each other. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us worship God, our light and our salvation. We desire to live in God's house and to seek God in God's holy temple. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together with the help of God the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day. We come to the table to commune with our Lord. We come in awe and reverence for the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers us the manna of life. If we are to experience the celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Let us pray together. Most gracious and merciful God, we confess to you and to one another that time after time we have entered your presence with countless prayers, but with hearts that have been closed to your grace. We have lifted our hands to you in praise, but our feet have still walked in the ways of evil. We have rehearsed your commandments, but have refused to see your face in the needs of our neighbor. We pray, Lord, that you forgive our lack of faith and pardon our acts of injustice. Grant us the healing that comes from your presence and the cleansing of your all-powerful word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace.
God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Lift up your hearts. We pray, Lord, that you will open the door of our hearts to receive you within our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This first lesson is the word of the Lord from Exodus. And it's as stated in the bulletin, but I am not reading what is in the bulletin. So if you just think I've came up with my own idea, not so much. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as that which they gather. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out into this land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you are complaining against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him. What are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness. And the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites, and say to them, At the twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament lesson is found from the Gospel of John in the sixth chapter. This is the lesson about the bread of heaven. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, 
not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and is it written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I have said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. This is the word of the Lord. A friend of mine who is not Christian, but is Hindu, we were talking one day. She had come to a communion service just to see what this Christian worship was like. She was there early, and we were preparing communion, and she looked And the communion bread was ordinary white bread from the supermarket. And the grape juice was a bottle of supermarket grape juice. She was horrified. She looked at me. She looked at these common things and said, Doesn't your God demand the very best of you? You are bringing before your God ordinary supermarket bread and grape juice? I looked at her and thought about it, and I said, well, yes, God demands the best of us, but not in the symbols. The symbol is a symbol. And then, of course, it was time for service, and we could continue the discussion later. But I've often thought about that question. What does God demand of us? And what is ordinary in the kingdom of God? We're approaching a time of the year that's called ordinary time. I don't like that term. What it merely means is it's the time between the great festivals. To me, nothing of God's is ordinary or commonplace, and no person is ordinary or commonplace. The elements that we use are not important in and of themselves. They are symbols. It can be home-baked bread. It can be supermarket white bread cut into cubes. It could be saltine crackers, for that matter. What matters is how we take the communion and how we think about the gifts of God. The Old Testament lesson talked about an important gift from God, the manna. Manna is a strange word. It simply means, what is it? Because the Israelites were puzzled. In the beginning of the lection, The Israelites are complaining, why have you taken us out of Egypt? At least in Egypt we had something to eat. Having very conveniently forgotten what was going on in Egypt and how bitterly they complained about the slavery, the captivity, 
and all that was going on. And they complained to Moses, here we are in the wilderness. You've brought us out here to starve. Take us back to Egypt where at least we had something to eat. And Moses, of course, raises his eyes heavenward and said to God, oh, for goodness sakes, these faithless people are complaining again. And in some of the other elections, Moses complains, they're going to stone me if, I, if you don't do something. And God says, of course I will take care of them. Have faith. Trust in me. Be assured that I have heard your complaint. And the manna arrives. Be assured that I have heard your complaint. Rather than concentrating on the manna, the bread from heaven, and the gift, I think it's important to concentrate on, I have heard your complaint. How often have we prayed and sworn up and down that God has not heard our complaint, or not answered our prayer, or isn't home that day, or is too busy with something else to be bothered? Or how often have we failed to talk to God because, well, it's just a minor little problem. I can't possibly bother God with that. How often have we failed to speak to God? And how often have we failed to have the assurance that God hears our complaint? Sometimes my mother, who was raised in a very pious environment, would get a little upset with some of my prayers because sometimes I would complain to God Soon after it was obvious that my hip was not going to heal itself, she heard me praying one day, God, why in the name of common sense did you ever give me the bright idea that it was fun to attach myself to a piece of fiberglass and get towed behind a boat? Well, Mother did not think this was an appropriate prayer at all. Dad started laughing, incidentally. And then we talked about it. Basically, what came out of that was, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're hurt, and you're taking it out on God, and God's going to hear you. God will probably not heal your hip, but God will give you the patience to deal with it and the medical ability. When time comes, God will tell you when it's time to see an orthopedic surgeon. Mother was not totally reconciled, and she's some of my other prayers seemed to annoy. She had been taught that one must never get angry at God. One must never complain to God. One must always accept what God has given us. I was not raised that way. And she was, as she got older, she began to recognize that God was big enough to handle our anger. That God doesn't get angry with us for getting angry. God gets a little frustrated when we don't take our anger to God and let go of it. Sometimes yelling at God is the healthiest thing to do because God can take it, and if we take our frustrations yelling at God, we're not yelling at our spouses or our co-workers or our pets or our children or our neighbors. God can handle our anger. Of course, that doesn't mean we're supposed to go popping off all the time. I mean, God did give us common sense to know and skills of handling anger and anger management. But nonetheless... It is quite all right to get frustrated with God. You notice that God was not angry with the Israelites for murmuring. God said, I have heard you. I will take care of you. This is my promise. I will provide manna. I will provide quails. I will provide water. Now that's a dangerous text because it can be taken as, 
okay, I can just sit back and God will take care of me and will provide a job, health, a family, a spouse, a date, food, whatever I need. It is a dangerous text to say, rely on God. Of course we rely on God, but we also use what God gave us. And God gave us a lot of skills and relationships. In the wilderness, the people were dependent on God. God used that wilderness wandering to show God's glory to the people. God sometimes uses our wilderness wandering, our frustration. It's tempting sometimes to say that God sends us these trials to test us. That's a very pious explanation of whatever. I don't think that God sits up there going, well, hmm, okay, this person is getting a little bit too self-confident. Let me just throw something in the way. My mother used to get a little frustrated, too, with one of my other prayers, which was, um, God, I don't mind a bumpy road, but could you please occasionally send me a little bit of superhighway in my life? And Mother began to learn that it was all right to talk to God in plain, ordinary terms. One of the churches I served was a, had been served for almost 30 years by a very formal pastor trained in Hungary who always used very formal liturgical prayers, the thee and the thou. The first time I preached there, I used a prayer that, first of all, I said, oh God, you are. I didn't use the thee and the thou. And I spoke to God as if I was speaking to a person. And afterward, the elders came up to me with their eyes wide. You can talk to God as if God is another person? God's not offended by that? God doesn't require the formal language? No, God does not require formal language. Yes, you may speak to God. Look at the, the texts, and we looked at some of the texts. Oh, it was such a freeing moment for that congregation to realize that you could speak to God as if you were speaking to a person. Now, obviously, God is not a person, and we know that. God is above and beyond, and there is a time and a place for the formal language, for the these and the thous, the formal liturgy, the respect. And even speaking to a God as a person does not mean we are disrespectful. You speak respectfully to other people. But the relationship that we have with God is not one of some distant, angry someone who needs to be placated by the appropriate liturgy and the appropriate prayers. We know that from our readings of the New Testament. The people in the wilderness were upset, and justifiably, wandering around in the wilderness of Sinai, not knowing where they were going, not knowing what was going to happen, being short of food. They had reason to be upset. And once again, their trust had wavered. And God reminded them, trust in me, I will provide. What does it mean in this day and this age to trust in God? And God will provide. What does it mean to us that God hears our prayers and answered them? 
when we know perfectly well that very often they're not answered in the way that we not only expect, but demand. Mother and I prayed intently for Dad to be healed, and he was not. It was time for him to go to heaven, and God knew that. What God gave us was the ability to let go. Our prayers were not answered in the form that we were demanding. They were answered in the form of comfort. He is with me. Your husband, your father, has served me faithfully, and I have called him home. And no one will, you will not forget him. You will know that he is there. And yes, there will be sorrow, but there's also joy. And that comfort did come. Other prayers, we've all had them. They're not answered in the way that we expect. Manna does not suddenly fall from heaven. But prayers are answered. God gives us the strength and the ability to cope with what's going on. Sometimes we think we have simply reached the end. We simply cannot cope anymore. There's just too much going on in our lives. We have had it. At this point, we turn to God. We probably should have turned to God sooner, but we often don't. And the answer does come, not always in the easing of the situation, but in some ways, either a recognition that putting the load, the frustration, the anger on God eases our mind, and it certainly does, or sometimes prayers are answered through human beings that arrive in the oddest and strangest places. You remember I preached here Christmas Day. I went home, and I had decorated the house because for my own sanity I wanted to do it. I came into the house, there was the Christmas tree, there were the ornaments, and there was no other person. And I started crying. The phone rang, and it was Irv, whom you probably all know that we are a pair. Irv said, I don't care what you're doing, we're gonna go drive down to the shore. God had heard my frustration and my pain, and the answer came in that call from Irv. Totally, well, I won't say totally unexpected. Looking back on it, I think, well, we won't get into that. Anyway, the call, God heard my pain, and Irv, God sent Irv. And, well, we won't get into that one either. Both of us are much happier. God does work in ways that we do not expect. We cannot always have our prayers answered in the way we want. Those of you who are preparing to go to college may not get into the college or the graduate school you're expecting. I didn't. I was turned down. My math scores weren't good enough for what I wanted to do. But God opened other doors. It's not coincidence that I went to a PhD program where all of the students in the graduate department lived on the seminary campus, and all of my friends were seminarians, not anthropologists. God sent me to Southern Methodist University. God will do things like that. God, the Holy Spirit, the more I live, the more I work, the more I recognize what we often call coincidence is God working through the Holy Spirit in ways 
we do not understand. Yes, we grumble. Yes, we test God. Yes, we wonder. And yes, there are times when we sit on our, <clears throat> we sit and don't do and expect God to simply take care of us. God has given us all sorts of gifts. Some of us think we're ordinary. God has given everyone gifts, all kinds of gifts. My answer to my, the question of my Hindu friend was, in the short terms, the symbols are not required to be the very best, but we are required to do our very best. God wants us to be what God created us to be and to use whatever gifts we had. And sometimes those gifts do include the gift of doubt and the gift of anger, and God will respond to them. Let us remember then that although our prayers are sometimes not answered in the way we demand, they are answered. God hears our murmuring, and God responds. Our wilderness wanderings can indeed show us the glory of God. It is difficult to give thanks when we are in a period of spiritual dryness, but we need to remember to do so. Let us then remember God hears, God is with us, God responds. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, you have given us the glorious gospel of our risen Savior and Master. Grant that as we joyfully receive the good news for ourselves, so we may gratefully share it with others and ever give glory to you. By the grace alone, we are what we are. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us then, with Christians throughout the ages and around the world, confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated. Knowing that all that we have belongs to God, 
knowing that we are stewards of what God has given us, knowing that without God we would have nothing and be nothing. Let us then return to God a portion of God's gifts to us in the morning offerings and tithes. Let us pray. O God, we have brought you the labors of our hearts, our hands, and our lives. We ask that you find these gifts acceptable, bless them, multiply them, and send them forth into the great world that you created and called good. Amen. Be seated. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and our blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion with the same Christ, who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love, of which we shall partake when his kingdom is fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him, made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so we receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. who are baptized into Christ and who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are welcome at this table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for all things are now ready. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy and right it is and our joyful duty 
to give thanks to you at all times and at all places, O Lord, our Creator, almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserve us by your providence. That you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal word made flesh for us and for our salvation. We give thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, and for the pouring forth of your Holy Spirit, who equips us for service and leads us into your truth. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and the expectation is coming again, we offer ourselves to you as a holy and living sacrifice. Together we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord has now fed us at his table, let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your iniquity who redeems your life from the pit. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He does not deal with us according to our sins. For as the heavens are high above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, Father has compassion for his children, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, and will also give us all things with him. Let us pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you have fed us through the preaching of your word and at the table of our Lord. Grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of your saints, we offer to you our prayers for all people. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, the victims of war, injustice, and humanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. O Lord of Providence, who holds the destiny of the nations in your hand, we pray for our country. Inspire the hearts and minds of our leaders that they, together with our nation, may first seek your kingdom and righteousness so that order, liberty, and peace 
may dwell with your people. O Savior God, look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth. Have mercy on its weakness. Bring to an end its unhappy divisions and scatter its fears. Look also upon the ministry of your church. Increase its courage, strengthen its faith, and inspire its witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here as they raise their prayer concerns before you in the presence of the great congregation. We pray for the people of Syria, the people in Oklahoma from the wildfires, and others who are suffering from catastrophes of nature. We pray for those who are struggling with addictions and illness. We pray for the candidates that are seeking national office. We pray that this election may be an election of common sense rather than emotion. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our only Savior, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There is fellowship in the parlor. You are all invited. The last, are there any other announcements? The last hymn, Take My Life, we will only sing the first four verses. And then again, after the benediction, we will sing that chorus of Here I Am, Lord.